Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Evangeline, A Tale of Acadie by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Book 1, Part 4 Pleasantly rose next morn the sun on the village of Grand Pre. Pleasantly gleamed in the soft sweet air the basin of Minas, where the ships, with their wavering shadows, were riding at anchor. Life had long been astir in the village, and clamorous labor, knocked with its hundred hands at the golden gates of the morning. Now from the country around, from the farms and the neighboring hamlets, came in their holiday dresses the blithe Acadian peasants. Many a glad good morrow and jocund laugh from the young folk made the bright air brighter, as up from the numerous meadows, where no path could be seen but the track of wheels in the greensward, group after group appeared and joined or passed on the highway. Long ere noon, in the village all sounds of labor were silenced. Thronged were the streets with people, and noisy groups at the house doors sat in the cheerful sun and rejoiced and gossiped together. Every house was an inn, where all were welcomed and feasted. For with this simple people, who lived like brothers together, all things were held in common, and what one had was another's. Yet under Benedict's roof hospitality seemed more abundant, for Evangeline stood among the guests of her father. Bright was her face with smiles, and words of welcome and gladness fell from her beautiful lips and blessed the cup as she gave it. Under the open sky and the odorous air of the orchard, bending with golden fruit, was spread the feast of betrothal. There in the shade of the porch were the priest and the notary seated. There good Benedict sat, and sturdy Basil the blacksmith. Not far withdrawn from these, by the cider press and the beehives, Michael the fiddler was placed, with the gayest of hearts and of waistcoats. Shadow and light from the leaves alternately played on his snow-white hair as it waved in the wind, and the jolly face of the fiddler glowed like a living coal when the ashes are blown from the embers. Gaily the old man sang to the vibrant sound of his fiddle, Tous les bourgeois de Chartres, and Le Carillon du Dunkerque, and anon with his wooden shoes beat time to the music. Merrily, merrily whirled the wheels of the dizzying dances under the orchard trees and down the path to the meadows, old folk and young together, and children mingled among them. Fairest of all the maids was Evangeline, Benedict's daughter. Noblest of all the youths was Gabriel, son of the blacksmith. So passed the morning away, and lo, with a summons sonorous, sounded the bell from its tower and over the meadows a drum-beat. Thronged ere long was the church with men, without, in the churchyard, waited the women. They stood by the graves, and hung on the headstones garlands of autumn leaves and evergreens fresh from the forest. Then came the guard from the ships, and marching proudly among them entered the sacred portal, with loud and dissonant clangor echoed the sound of their brazen drums from ceiling and casement echoed a moment only, and slowly the ponderous portal closed, and in silence the crowd awaited the will of the soldiers. Then uprose their commander, and spake from the steps of the altar, holding aloft in his hands with its seals the royal commission. 
You are convened this day, he said, by his majesty's orders. Clement and kind has he been, but how you have answered his kindness, let your own hearts reply. To my natural make and my temper, painful the task is I do, which to you I know must be grievous. Yet must I bow and obey, and deliver the will of our monarch, namely that all your lands and dwellings and cattle of all kinds forfeited be to the crown, and that you yourselves from this province be transported to other lands. God grant you may dwell there ever as faithful subjects, a happy and peaceable people. Prisoners now, I declare you, for such is his majesty's pleasure. As when the air is serene, in the sultry solstice of summer, suddenly gathers a storm, and the deadly sling of the hailstones beats down the farmer's corn in the field and shatters his windows, hiding the sun, and strewing the ground with thatch from the house roofs, bellowing fly the herds and seek to break their enclosures. So on the hearts of the people descended the words of the speaker. Silent a moment they stood in speechless wonder, and then rose, louder and ever louder, a wail of sorrow and anger, and by one impulse moved, they madly rushed to the doorway. Vain was the hope of escape and cries and fierce imprecations rang through the house of prayer, and high o'er the heads of the others rose, with his arms uplifted, the figure of Basil the blacksmith, as, on a stormy sea, a spar is tossed by the billows. Flushed was his face, and distorted with passion, and wildly he shouted, Down with the tyrants of England! We never have sworn them allegiance! Death to these foreign soldiers, who seize on our homes and our harvests. More he fain would have said, but the merciless hand of a soldier smote him upon the mouth and dragged him down to the pavement. In the midst of the strife and tumult of angry contention, lo, the door of the chancel opened, and Father Felician entered with serious mien and ascended the steps of the altar. Raising his reverend hand with a gesture he awed into silence all that clamorous throng, and thus he spake to his people. Deep were his tones and solemn, in accents measured and mournful, spake he as, after the toxin's alarum, distinctly the clock strikes. What is this that ye do, my children? What madness has seized you? Forty years of my life have I labored among you and taught you, not in word alone, but in deed, to love one another. Is this the fruit of my toils, of my vigils and prayers and privations? Have you so soon forgotten all lessons of love and forgiveness? This is the house of the Prince of Peace, and would you profane it? Thus, with violent deeds and hearts overflowing with hatred? Lo, where the crucified Christ from his cross is gazing upon you. See in those sorrowful eyes what meekness and holy compassion. Hark how those lips still repeat the prayer, O Father, 
forgive them. Let us repeat that prayer in the hour when the wicked assail us. Let us repeat it now and say, O Father, forgive them. Few were his words of rebuke, but deep in the hearts of his people sank they, and sobs of contrition succeeded that passionate outbreak. And they repeated his prayer and said, O Father, forgive them. Then came the evening service. The tapers gleamed from the altar. Fervent and deep was the voice of the priest, and the people responded, not with their lips alone, but their hearts. And the Ave Maria sang they, and fell on their knees, and their souls, with devotion translated, rose on the ardor of prayer, like Elijah ascending to heaven. Meanwhile had spread in the village the tidings of ill, and on all sides wandered, wailing, from house to house the women and children. Long at her father's door Evangeline stood, with her right hand shielding her eyes from the level rays of the sun, that, descending, lighted the village street with mysterious splendor, and roofed each peasant's cottage with golden thatch, and emblazoned its windows. Long within had been spread the snow-white cloth on the table. There stood the wheaten loaf, and the honey fragrant with wild flowers. There stood the tankard of ale, and the cheese fresh brought from the dairy, and at the head of the board the great armchair of the farmer. Thus did Evangeline wait at her father's door, as the sunset threw the long shadows of trees or the broad ambrosial meadows. Ah! On her spirit within a deeper shadow had fallen, and from the fields of her soul a fragrance celestial ascended. Charity, meekness, love, and hope, and forgiveness, and patience. Then, all forgetful of self, she wandered into the village, cheering with looks and words the disconsolate hearts of the women, as o'er the darkening fields with lingering steps they departed urged by their household cares and the weary feet of their children. Down sank the great red sun, and in golden glimmering vapors veiled the light of his face, like the prophet descending from Sinai. Sweetly over the village the bell of the Angelus sounded. Meanwhile, amid the gloom by the church, Evangeline lingered. All was silent within and in vain at the door and the window stood she, and listened and looked, until, overcome by emotion, Gabriel! cried she aloud with tremulous voice. But no answer came from the graves of the dead, nor the gloomier grave of the living. Slowly at length she returned to the tenantless house of her father, smoldered the fire on the hearth, on the board stood the supper untasted, Empty and drear was each room, and haunted with phantoms of terror. Sadly echoed her steps on the stair and the floor of her chamber. In the dead of the night she heard the whispering rain fall, loud on the withered leaves of the sycamore tree by the window. Keenly the lightning flashed, and the voice of the echoing thunder told her that God was in heaven and governed the world he created. Then she remembered the tale she had heard of the justice of heaven. Soothed was her troubled soul, and she peacefully slumbered till morning. Tis the gift to be simple. 
Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.